Hello everyone and welcome again to another episode of Papa's Tackle Box. We're very grateful that you're joining us uh, on whatever platform that you get your podcast needs from. Thanks to everyone who's been following us and keeping up with everything that we're doing on Facebook, Instagram, uh, or even our website, LegacyCC.org. Also, a huge shout out to those who have given to the podcast through our website under the Give Now tab. Now, I know you all are waiting to hear what Papa's going to pull out of his tackle box today. So without wasting any more time, you are listening to Papa's Tackle Box. And here's Papa. Hey, thanks again for joining me for another Papa's Tackle Box. So I'm reaching in today and pulling out, and we're going to talk about Jesus. Now, Jesus was born apart from the laws of nature, raised in poverty in an obscure little town by parents with no status, there had no name recognition. Yet in infancy, he startled a king. In childhood, he confounded the most learned men of his day. And in adulthood, he ruled the course of nature. Jesus could walk on water, heal broken bodies, and heal broken hearts, but never took a course in medicine, could raise the dead. He never wrote a song, yet more songs have been written about him than any other person. Never wrote a book, but you could fill up an entire chain of bookstores, uh, uh, books that have been written about him. Matter of fact, time itself was divided into two separate uh, segments by his birth. So I want to talk to you today uh, as Psalms 24, verse 8 through 2 says, Who is this King of glory? I want to talk about two things today when I talk about who is Jesus. I want to talk about uh, prophecy and uh, uh, typology. Uh, They're both related because they both present us with pictures of Christ before he came to earth. So prophecy foretells the coming of Christ, the first time to be the Savior from sin, the second time to rule as king. Typology is pictures in the Old Testament that foreshadow the person and work of Christ, they point forward uh, to the New Testament, which uh, became a reality. So the first thing that I'd like to talk about today is prophecy. Luke chapter 24, there are two men that are walking on the road to Emmaus, uh, and they were talking about the recent uproar over this man named Jesus. The whole town was in pandemonium over Jesus, who was called the King of the Jews, who claimed to be the Son of God, but had been crucified a few days earlier. Now it was reported that he was alive again. The grave was empty. Everybody was talking about it. As these two men walked along, Jesus out of nowhere began traveling with them, but they did not recognize him, according to verse 15 and 16. And Jesus asked them, what are the words, or what are these words, rather, that you're exchanging with one another? The word exchanged here means heated debate. These two men said, uh, we're hoping that it was he, talking about Jesus, who is going to redeem Israel in verse 19 through 21, and that some women had gone to the tomb early that morning and found it empty. Other disciples had gone to verify the story. 
There was disappointment in these two disciples' voices. Evidently, they didn't think the reports were really true. Maybe they were uninformed about the events they just experienced or lack of faith had caused them to forget or maybe misunderstand. Jesus began to enlighten them on this road. It says he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. These two men confused and discouraged because they didn't things didn't work out the way they should have and maybe God's plan had backfired. Now Jesus is enlightening these two men by using the Old Testament to explain his coming or the big picture of things. He revealed himself, then he vanished. These two men that same night ran back to Jerusalem, found the apostles as they were telling their story to them. Jesus appeared to them in the room, verse 28 through 43. Verse 44, Jesus declared that the entire Old Testament spoke prophetically of him, talked about him suffering, how he would rise again from the dead on the third day, And it also talked about repentance for forgiveness of sins and how it should be proclaimed. Now, that is the summary and the heart of prophecy. First given in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the seed will crush Satan's head. The seed would come from the tribe of Judah, Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. And that David's throne would endure forever, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. And so when we talk about the birth of Christ, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 17, is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And it mentions a man's name that sometimes I think we just overread pretty fast, uh, Jeconiah. Jesus has to have proper claim to the title that he was in the line of David. Now, uh, Jeconiah... Uh, presents us with a problem. God pronounced a curse, and and the curse was that no physical descendant of Jeconiah would ever sit on the throne of David. Joseph is a physical descendant of Jeconiah. This prevented uh, Jesus, or this yes, this prevented Jesus from uh, going to the throne. Now Joseph is Jesus' legal father not his biological father. And that's why in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, he uses the feminine pronoun to refer, refer to Jesus' birth. Jesus bypassed the curse and yet retained his legal right. According to Luke chapter 3, verse 23 to 28, deals with uh, Jesus is traced back to David uh, through Nathan, the son of David, in verse 31. See, Luke takes Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Adam in verse 38, connecting Jesus to the Garden of Eden, removing all doubt that Jesus is the fulfillment. Nathan is the brother of Solomon who never held the throne. Matthew traced uh, Jesus' genealogy through Solomon, and Luke went through Nathan. Solomon did become king. Jesus is Solomon's legal descendant through Joseph. He has a legitimate legal claim. But Jesus' biological tie to David was established through Nathan, 
by his mother Mary. Now, also, his death was prophesied in the Old Testament. The Old Testament also deals with Christ's death. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 through 5, it prophesies Jesus' crucifixion. When the Apostle Paul, or Apostle Peter, witnessed his death and unjust suffering in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 through 24, he records all of this, and it is a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Psalms 22 speaks of the manner of his death, and he says in verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we discover that Jesus says these words. Uh, in uh, verse 6 through 8 of Psalms 22, he, they talk about uh, the same thing, saving others, let him save himself, is what they said in Luke 23 and 35. Verse 14 of Psalms 22, uh, he was poured out like water, his bones out of joint. Uh, that was found in, in the Scripture in the New Testament uh, when they split his side. Uh, it also talked about his dividing his garment, and he pierced his hands and feet. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy to the detail about his death from the Old Testament. Also, the resurrection. Jesus predicted his own resurrection. Matthew 17 and 23 and 20, verse 19, he, he predicted his own resurrection to his disciples. And then in John chapter 2, verse 18, to the unbelieving Jews. Now, Peter, in Acts chapter 2, verse 29 through 32, talks about the fulfillment of this passage in the life of Christ. David looked ahead, spoke about Christ the Messiah, and Jesus was resurrected. So when we look at uh, Jesus' life, we also see that there were things that were prophesied about him in the Old Testament that came about in the New Testament. So we talked about prophecy. The second thing we wanted to talk about in Jesus setting the stage for the things I'd like to talk about was the typology. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 17, Paul said, The things of the Old Testament were a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Hebrews is a book about uh, typology, about the fulfillment of the Old Covenant in Christ, and Hebrews uses the word better, better. Jesus is better than the angels. He is the guarantee of a better covenant. The law made nothing perfect. Jesus is the better hope, a better sacrifice, a better country, a place called heaven. Now, when we look at things like that, we go back into the Old Testament. Adam is a type of Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 14, Death reigned over those who had not sinned, in the likeness of offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, the first man, Adam, was called a living soul. The Bible says that the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. We get life through the first Adam. Also, we inherited death from the first man. 
Jesus is the head of the new race. He did not sin, and through his death, we have eternal life. The first Adam gave us life, but he also dealt us death. The last Adam is better because he is the life giver. Now, Aaron is also a type of Christ. Aaron was the high priest of Israel, the tribe of Levi. He served as, or the tribe of Levi served as mediators between God and man. They were the ones that offered sacrifices to cover the nation's sins every year, but they also had to offer sacrifices for their own sins. Jesus was without sin, which made him a better mediator, a better priest serving in a better temple. Now, not only was Aaron a type of Christ, Melchizedek was a type of Christ. Now, uh, he is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 5 through 7, and his story is in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, Psalms 110, verse 4. This man, Melchizedek, would be called Bible's mystery man. He was a priest and a king. Abraham paid tithe, a tenth of the spoils that he had got from the Gentile kings. He recognized him as a superior, so he was submitting to his authority. And the Bible tells us that Melchizedek blessed Abraham or pronounced a blessing over Abraham. Now, the Bible tells us that Melchizedek had no beginning or ending of life. Now, most theologians would tell us that means there was no record of his birth or record of his death, a record of his parentage. But he was of an eternal priesthood that did not depend on the law of Moses and from the tribe of Levi. We also know that he is a kinsman redeemer. The law said that it was the duty of the nearest relative to buy back any family's property that had been sold, or if one sold themselves into servitude uh, because of poverty, that uh, the uh, nearest relative would buy all of the property and buy their, their loved one out of slavery. That's where we find the story of, of Ruth and Boaz in chapter 3 and 4, uh, that uh, Boaz wanted to marry Ruth, uh, but there was one ahead of him in, in the family. And so Boaz had to go to the family and ask, would, were they going to uh, buy or do whatever it was necessary to redeem Ruth? And so Boaz was able to step in, and that's the story in the book of Ruth. Now, Jesus stepped in in our lives paid the price to redeem us with his precious blood, which is an irrevocable payment. Now, Israel's sacrifice, they were five basic sacrifices, so it's a type of Jesus also. There was the burnt offering, there was the grain offering, and there was the peace offering. Those three have to deal with or have to do with what we call dedication to God. Then there was the sin offering and the trespass offering or sacrifice. These related to atonement. The first three of these sacrifices Jesus fulfilled in his life 
because of his total submission and obedience to God. The last two he fulfilled by his death. Also, when we look at the tabernacle that was in the wilderness in the Old Testament, the tabernacle is also a type of, of Jesus. The tabernacle was a dwelling place of God. There was the door. Jesus said, I am the way. He was the only door, that door or the only one way to get into heaven. Also, there was an altar in the tabernacle. And this was the place where there was a sacrifice. Jesus gave his life a ransom on the altar for us as a sacrifice. Also, there was the, lev- the laver where they would uh, wash themselves. The priests would wash their hands. And Jesus said to Peter, If I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. And then you go further in, there was a table in the tabernacle, which had bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Then the priest would burn incense. Now, we understand that the incense, as the priest burned them, is that the same as Jesus prayed for us. Then there was the veil that separated uh, the Holy of Holies from uh, from just the regular pra- regular place in the tabernacle. The veil was torn. We could say that the veil was torn by Christ's body being torn and shredded by the beating and things that went on in his life. Also, uh, the, the veil was torn the day that he gave his life, and it said it was torn that day. But also there was the ark in the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat was. And uh, Jesus said, I lay my life down freely. No one takes it. The tabernacle was a tent that housed the presence of God. John tells us in the New Testament, the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. That word dwelt means pinch, pitch a tent. So Jesus came to display God's glory. We also can see that the rock and the manna were a type of Christ. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they were hungry and thirsty. The first thing we notice is that Moses struck the rock. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, they drank from a spiritual rock because the rock represented Christ. If Christ was sufficient for Israel, he can get you through your desert storm too. Then we also discover that in Exodus chapter 16, verse 14 through 15 about the manna. John 6 and 41, it says, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. So, you know, this this manna that came down from heaven, Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Then we also find that there was a bronze servant. Uh, uh, Jesus, uh, or Moses lifted up the servant uh, that was, uh, according to John chapter 3, verse 14, 15, and he said, I must be lifted up. Because of, of the disobedience of the children of Israel, judgment came. And they had to look up at the serpent on the pole and those that had been bitten by the serpent to live. 
Jesus did the same for us. He was lifted on the cross. It was an act of faith that we would look up to him and live. Now, what we've discovered through this prophecy and typology is Jesus is all you need for any situation or circumstance that my life might bring your way. And when we look at Jesus, we discover through, through prophecy of the Old Testament and through typology, the shadows of things to come, that Jesus was everything that the Old Testament said he would be. And because of that, he is all you need for any situation or circumstance that life might bring your way. I see it's time for me to reel it in today. And so until next time, keep fishing. Hey, thanks everyone for listening to Papa's Tackle Box. Make sure that you stay up to date with everything we're doing by following our Facebook page at Legacy Community Church. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Legacy Church FL. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Legacy Community Church. You can also keep up to date with everything we're doing at our website, LegacyCC.org. And if this podcast has blessed you in any way, you can also give through our website under the Give Now tab. Thanks for listening.